Hello, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of the Hockey Writers Roundtable Trade Deadline Preview Shows. Here, uh, we did we've already done one on the Sabres and the Flames. We've got another two teams that are going to be selling at this deadline. I, uh, I mean, it's and it's two teams that are going to be pretty active. I think around the deadline because there's a lot of names in the rumor mill. Some may be, some may move, some may not. But I am joined in by Jacob Billington, who covers the Ottawa Senators, also on the Senators Roundtable. Also got Nicholas Arnold, who's ho-ho hosts the Union uh, Junction podcast as well. So uh, welcome, gentlemen. Uh, Jacob, how's it going? Good. I'm happy to be here. Happy to talk some trade deadline stuff. It should be a pretty busy couple of weeks for kind of both teams involved, really. Yeah, I mean, the deadline is, it's, like I said, it's going to be an interesting time for these two teams. Uh, Nicholas, how, how's it going on your end with the Blue Jackets? Well, I'm very excited to uh, talk to Jacob. This is our first time interacting. I haven't seen Matt in a long time. This is absolutely amazing. If you if you watch uh, regular uh, the Hockey Raiders content, you'll notice Matt has uh, he's gotten a little shorter up on top. It's a good look. <laughs> he's looking fresh, really cleaning it up and bringing his A game for this trade deadline. Yes, I it's it goes getting a little bit disheveled. I had. Uh, yeah, so it was good to get a excellent get a choice cut, of verbiage, so. Matt. Excellent <laughs> choice of verbiage. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's get into this trade deadline. It's uh, less than a month away now as we're recording, so lots of stuff can happen in the next few weeks. We've got lots of big names in the rumors. We got Elliot Friedman throwing out different names every time he's on the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast. So <laughs> we got a lot to talk to to talk about. So, but we're going to focus on some of the names to start on the hockey writers bait board that we've got here that uh, that is put together by Alex Chauvency, who who covered the New Jersey Devils. He's not covering them for the site anymore, but he is covering the NHL at large and the deadline. So we're going to go off that list. And to start, let's start with one of the bigger names in the Senators, uh, Jacob is Vladimir Tarasenko, signed by in the offseason, maybe a little bit of a surprise you know, going to this team. I mean, I mean, the Senators were, the expectations were a little bit higher this season, thinking that they may actually have a shot at the playoffs. Looked like the moves in the offseason were kind of indicating that as well. But Tarasenko's now on the on the block. I mean, it was only a one-year deal. He is a veteran. He's definitely a guy that uh, could help a lot of playoff teams. But he's also said he wants to stay. So it's it's kind of an up-in-the-air situation. I know you guys talked about it on, on the Senators' roundtable, but... Do you see, first of all, do you see Tarasenko moving? And if he does, what do you what do you expect to get the Senators to get for him? Um, let's start there. Well, I think the easiest part of that question to answer is what would the return look like? And you look at last year, the trade deadline, the St. Louis Blues got, um, they traded Tarasenko and Nico Mikola for, essentially it was just the first round pick, late first round pick. There's a couple other assets in there that was nothing too big, but just a couple of smaller assets. So you could say that Tarasenko was the main part of that trade and the first round pick coming back was the main part of the trade. So if you're looking at the same value, he's got the same amount of points as he did when he got traded last year. So I would say if Ottawa can get a late first round pick, that's good value. So let's say 28th, 29th, 30th, somewhere in there. Um, I don't think that the smartest thing to do is to trade him. I think that you look at the Ottawa Senators season, they were hoping for the playoffs and we're after the all-star break talking about the trade deadline and their bottom five team. And Tarasenko is saying that he wants to stay or reportedly saying that he wants mm. to stay. You need to, you need to take advantage of that. 
Like not too many people are going to want to stick around in Ottawa if this is the kind of mentality that's going on. So if he wants to say, I think he should. And who the Ottawa Senators are, I think has throughout the whole season has been on display best for the last 10 games. They finally are playing the Jacques Martin system. They're finally healthy, have a full lineup. Shane Pinto's back. And the third line of Ridley Gregg, Shane Pinto, and Vladimir Tarasenko has been phenomenal. So that's something that if they can keep that together moving forward, 100% worth it. And I think that I would rather see him re-signed at a pretty fair um, AAV for two, maybe three years, rather than traded for a first-round pick. I'll throw this into here. I could it be a good thing to trade him, get that first round pick, then just sign him again in the, in free agency, being like that. You know, it's happened before uh, in the past where a guy's gone, you get that pick. Do you see that happening? Because Tarasenko says he wants to stay. So they say, well, you know, you want to stay, but we also want to get an asset. <laughs> Is that something that could happen? Yeah, I mean, if that's going to happen, great. If you can get a free first-round pick for already a lost season, great. But part of the goal for the rest of the season for Ottawa should be to develop a winning mentality. They don't know how to win. They never knew how to win under DJ Smith. All these guys are learning how to be coached. So I I think best-case scenario is you run with what you got. Maybe you even buy at the deadline. I don't know what that looks like, but they just need to develop a winning mentality. That makes sense, uh, too. And you trade away Tarasenko for a pick. You're not going to get yeah. something that's going to help the team now. Yeah. You're probably just perpetuating that losing uh, yeah. a little more. So, yeah, I definitely go get that, where that's coming from, too. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with Tarasenko there. Can I can I pitch in on Tarasenko? Yeah, for sure. So just do you think there's any sort of concern at all for buyers out there on the market for Tarasenko? I mean, we just went through this last year. The Rangers bought him. Did pretty well in the regular season, but you know, the playoffs only three goals, seven games. So it's not terrible, but like he wasn't earth shattering by any metric. Do you think there's any sort of hesitation there considering we just saw how a Tarasenko rental turned out last year? Well, it all depends on what the expectations are when you're, when mm-hmm. you're buying him, if you're looking for uh, a top line winger that you're not getting that you're, you're, that's just not who he is anymore. He's a, he's a good middle six winger. Who's going to put up, about 60 points a season if he stays healthy for all 82 um, and can just add that depth. Like I said, he's on the third line right now with two. Shane Pinder's not a rookie, but he's he's a very young guy. So he's being a mentor for this really young line and he's doing really well with them right now. So looking at somebody to fill in a top line role and really boost your scoring way over the edge, that's not what you're going to be getting. So it all really depends on what the expectations are with the buyer. Mm-hmm. That sure. makes sense. Like I say, it's gonna that's gonna be an interesting situation to see what what happens with him because I'm sure the senators are looking at it because the thing is he's on a one year deal. You're not sure if he's gonna resign. You don't want him to just walk into free agency, he signs with someone else, and you don't get anything for him. And that's always the risk you take around the deadline when you don't move these guys, right? Well, and he's he's eligible it, for an extension. So right, if they can figure something out right now, then there's no worries at all. No. Oh no, are we going to just sign him and then lose him for nothing? Like, I don't know. I'd like to see him either extended or traded by the deadline. Mm -hmm. I extended preferably. Yeah. Well, there's a few weeks to go. We'll see. We'll see what happens with him. All right. Shifting to the Blue Jackets, uh, we'll package these two defensemen together because probably going to be similar. Uh, We got Andrew Peak, Adam Boquist. I I guess Ivan Provorov would be 
grouped in there too. There's a few defensemen that could be on the move. Uh, they said they're they're listening to offers on him. So these two guys, uh, different. Andrew Peak hasn't really played a lot this season. He's maybe a, was more valuable last season. Uh, but Boquist still really young defenseman. Where do you see this? These guys uh, coming out of the deadline here. It's a uh, it's a mess. The Blue Jackets defense is an absolute. It's a it's a trash heap. It's a mess. Like there there are just too many players, not enough roster spots, and we've been talking about this for two, maybe three seasons. The Blue Jackets have too many roster players and not enough roster spaces. And Yarmo Kekalainen, for whatever reason, has just refused to, you know, pull the trigger and actually sell on one of these defensemen. And the Blue Jackets have had a problem that a lot of teams would love to have. They've got too many right shot guys. And two of those right shot guys, you mentioned Peak and Bofist. Two younger guys who uh, are not getting a ton of ice time, like you mentioned with Peak. He's only played 20 games this year after playing, I think he played 160 162 out of 164 mm-hmm. of the last two seasons, which is like if they were going to sell him, they should have sold him over the summer because his value is plummeting. He's on mm-hmm. a he's got, I think, two more years left at 2.7, which is at the beginning of the year. It looked like it could be a steal because over the last two seasons, he would pl- spent a lot of time with Wierenski on that top pairing. Mm-hmm. But this season, he's just fallen out of favor with Pascal Vincent, and it's it's going to be tough to move him at this point. Boakvist also was limited in ice time. So it's two very similar cases in terms of they've been limited in ice time. The acquisition of Damon Severson over the summer certainly didn't help with unclogging the logjam on the right side because right now on the right side, you've got, uh, you've got Severson, you've got Juracek, You've got uh, Eric Goodbranson, who at four point or four million dollars a year, you're not going to leave him on the bench for forty games of the season. Uh, and then Peak Bokvist, Nick Goodbranson or Nick uh, Blankenberg, like there are so many players who the Blue Jackets have that should be playing meaningful minutes, and they're just not. So one of these guys has to move. One of these guys should move. Is it going to happen? It seems unlikely. Honestly, it seems unlikely. It would be tough to get a buyer for any of these guys. Yeah, I mean, sorry to did, monologue there. That was, yeah, no, it was, it was a, good. I mean, there's just so geez. many. There's so like, like you said, there's so many defensemen they've got. I mean, a lot of teams yeah. are looking for right, right kind of guys. Blue Jacks are probably one you're looking at. Um, don't know what they're going to get for a lot of these guys. And I'll ask you, Jacob, about this because I mean, the Senators may could be interested in a couple of these guys. I do you see a trade happening between these two teams, even though they are both going to be sellers? I mean, they could still make a deal. I mean, if Ottawa can somehow get out of Travis Hamonic and add in somebody like Boquist or Andrew Peak, um, that would be fantastic. Obviously, adding Yurichek would be incredible, but obviously, <laughs> Kekalainen has said that that's not happening and he's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, but like you look at the right-handed defenseman. I don't think many people want to touch that Severson contract right now, just with the way mm. the season has started. N- nobody's touching the Branson contract. No. But you look at Peak and you look at uh, Boakvist, and those are two guys that if you have a really strong top three, like you look at Ottawa and they have 
um, Shabbat, Sanderson, Zub, and Chikrin. So they have a really solid top four defenseman. Um, if you can have either um, that kind of fourth guy to round out the top four or one of your bottom pair guys with Boakvist or Peak, that's fantastic. And you can look at that as a replacement for Travis Hamannick if Ottawa moves out a left-handed defenseman like maybe Eric Brandstrom. Ottawa has a little bit of a surplus of defensemen as well, especially on the left side, and they need to do some balancing out on the right side. So there's certainly, like, I don't know, I don't know where the left-handed defenseman would go, but there's certainly a need for somebody like, I would especially target Andrew Beek. Mm -hmm. Even though his value is lower in that, I mean, I think he's still, I know I had him as a Canucks target uh, not yep. that long ago, and a lot of people are like, he's doing so bad this season. Why are you wanting him? I mean, maybe that's why you want him now, because you're not going to have to pay a lot to get him. I, you know, I, it's going to be that those are two names that have been, I think, the rumors for a bit. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Here's the thing with those two guys is the Blue Jackets have played 51 games this season. Between them, the two of them have played 41. It's that's an insane number. Neither one of them have a goal this season. <laughs> Andrew Peak would be an ideal like five six guy on yeah. uh, a playoff team. Boakvist also five six. Like think like Tony D'Angelo, offensive mm. specialist. He's you know bottom pairing, but he pinches up in your power play. But to be frank, the Blue Jackets have the worst defense in the NHL, and these guys aren't good enough to be on it. So what's that yeah. saying? True. That that is very true. So their their value may be a little bit lower on both sides, even though it, it, it that is a good point. <laughs> They're not playing on the yeah. best events. It's court. tough. So, but, but when you look at the tough. Blue Jackets defense, like there's nobody you're taking out of the lineup for those guys. There's some spots, sure. But like I said, you can't take Severson. You can't take, you're not mm. going to take Wierenski. He's one of the only good defensemen on that blue line. Um, you're not going to take Severson out with that contract or Gabranson, like you mentioned, Nicholas. Um, or like, or Provorov after you just spent so much to get him. Yeah. I don't know. You know what the Blue Jackets could use? Gavrikov. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, that defense is, it, that's going to be an interesting thing of how they all figure all that out. All right. Well, shifting to another defenseman, uh, Jacob, uh, Jacob Chikrin. He's, uh, an interesting one because I know you guys went back, have gone back and forth between him and Thomas Shabbat of who should yeah. be traded. Uh, Chikra and Steos have both come out and said they, I don't know where those trade those rumors are coming yeah. from. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. But where, you know, where there's always there's smoke, there's fire. So, I mean, th there's something that's putting these rumors out. Uh, what do you think about Chikra? I mean, is he a guy that could move? I, should he be moved? I guess is the bigger question. No, he shouldn't be moved. But yes, he could be moved only because, like I mentioned, Ottawa has a surplus of left-handed defensemen. Right now, Chikrin's playing on the right side and does not look nearly as comfortable on the right as he does on the left. Um, they, they need to move out a left-handed defenseman, even if it's going to be Eric Brandstrom and they just run with the three-headed monster like the like Tampa Bay used to do with Sergeyev, Hebman, and McDonough. You can have three arguably number one guys on the mm. left side. That's possible. But you got to have the guys to complement that on the right side that Ottawa doesn't have. So they always got somebody that's being dragged down um, by like somebody who just shouldn't be on that roster. 
Um, and with Eric Branstrom there, who doesn't provide a ton for the team, I'm a huge Eric Branstrom fan, but he's not providing much for the team. There's no room on the power play. He's not big enough to be a third pair shutdown guy. Tyler Clevin is climbing up the ranks. There's just no room for Eric Branstrom anymore. And you just got to move a left-handed defenseman. Chikrin is extremely valuable. You would get a really good return for him, but there's a reason that you would get a really good return for him. And that's because he is very good and has done very well in Ottawa so far. So yes, he could be moved. No, he should not be moved. And <laughs> like we've talked about a hundred times on the center's round table, Shabbat arguably is the guy to be moved instead of Chikrin. If you're going to move one of your top end defensemen. What do you expect to get for the him though? Because the thing is, is the centers did give up a first round pick uh, to yeah. get him from the Coyotes at that time, they were saying the Coyotes could have gotten more. I his name was in the rumors. I, I want to say it was like a decade. It just seemed like pretty in the much rumors for like ten years. Um, what do you see as a good return for him if he is moved? Unless they're looking to flip them, Ottawa is not interested in picks and prospects. So you can kind of wipe that off the table. But teams that are buying somebody like Jacob Chikrin aren't giving up really good roster players and right now Ottawa needs a hockey trade so like it, again I'll just use Columbus as an example because we're right here if you're <laughs> looking to do a deal with Columbus to send Chikrin there you're not looking for Provorov you're not looking for um, you're not looking for Wierenski or any of those defensemen that they have but you're also not I mean again I would throw Yurichek in there just because he's so high end of a prospect mm-hmm. and he's so close to the NHL but like it's so hard to make a deal with anybody because mm-hmm. Ottawa is not looking for the young pieces. No team is looking to sell their good now pieces. It's just a really tough trade to make. And honestly, I have no idea what, what, what <laughs> I would try and expect from a return on that. Yeah. There's the senators in that weird spot. Are, are they a rebuilding team? Are they a retooling team? Or I mean, I'm not really sure. Uh, you don't want to push them even further back by just getting picks for a guy like Chikrin. You would have hoped that that you know you you trade for him. He's going to be part of this core, and I think that's what they want, and that's why they're saying he's not on the block. He's not moving. So I, I see Shabbat as being the more likely one to move out, and Chikrin just kind of taking over that number one defenseman uh, role on the Senator. So that that's going to be an interesting uh, situation to follow too. Yeah, and Shabbat makes almost twice as much as Chikrin right now. And Shabbat has a full no trade clause kicking in July yeah. 1st. So there you go. So that that's perfect to yeah. try to move him before he has any say in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, Nicholas, let's move to a guy that uh, probably the Blue Jackets don't want to move, uh, although he has been in the rumors uh, from Elliot Friedman and a few other insiders have kind of talked about it is Boone Jenner. Uh, captain of the Blue Jackets, big part of their team, heart and soul player. Lots of teams would love to have him, I'm sure. Do you see that being something that could happen? What would this, the Columbus Blue Jackets would want in return for a guy like this? Well, they would want, I don't know, the farm. They'd want yeah. everything. Like, whatever. Here's the thing. A team that should be willing to give up a ton to get Boone Jenner doesn't have what it would take to get Boone Jenner. (laughs) And here's the thing, like Jenner, he's got two more seasons at 3.75 mil. So that's three playoff runs 
of a legitimate number two, number three center who like is built for the playoffs on your roster for 3.7 mil. Great in the face off <laughs> dot. He doesn't give up. Like this is the guy who is, you know, he should be in the playoffs. The blue jackets are not, you know, in a playoff window right now. I know in a contending window right now, that could be the greatest disservice of this whole situation where the blue jackets are right now. Cause this guy, he is built for the playoffs. So, you know, you look at a team like uh, just throwing out Colorado, who needs a center. If they've got anybody young, like anybody who they're thinking, you know, maybe they're not going to make it in this core, you know, with these guys in the next few years where we need to win, that's who I would send to the Blue Jackets. Mm -hmm. First round pick, did the the Avalanche need a first round pick? No, they don't need a (laughs) first round pick. Right. So a first would have to be included in this, but it would be more than that. The Blue Jackets love Boone Jenner. Boone Jenner loves Columbus. He is the prototypical Blue Jacket. When you think of Columbus Blue Jackets in five years, in 10 years, there's there's Rick Nash and then there's Boone Jenner. Yeah. You know, he's the blue collar guy. So it would be it would probably cause a riot in the capital of Ohio. If he was traded and it wasn't for, you know, Connor McDavid, <laughs> but it it would probably be ultimately what was best for the franchise. Because when you look at the Blue Jackets, they're like three or four years away from contending. Mm. Right. Jenner's going to be 34. Mm. He's going to have a lot of miles on his body. He already plays hard and misses a lot of time. Um, I mean, that's another drawback for a potential contending team. But mm. um in when the Blue Jackets are contending, Jenner is not going to be a major piece of it. He might be a depth piece, but he's not going to be what he is now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it, it would take a lot. I don't think it's going to happen. Is is really the the brass tacks of that? Mm-hmm. But again, sorry to monologue. I feel like I'm <laughs> uh, doing a Shakespeare play. <laughs> no, lots of great stuff. I mean, I know Mark has said uh, you've taken overpayment. Uh, by a team yeah. to to get him because the Blue Jacks aren't just going to give and say give him up for nothing. They're going to want a ton. So if a team wants oh, yeah. him, they're going to give have to give up first round pick, top prospect, uh, maybe roster player. I mean, I don't know. I, I I'm just kind of throwing out that 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 what I would think would and not just a right. I would say more of a a good roster player too. Wouldn't have to. Yeah. You know, well, like like Jacob mentioned with the Senators, he wants to be in Columbus and yep. not a ton of guys. I mean, for all the good stuff that we've been hearing about Columbus over the last few years, you know, Johnny Goudreau went there, but not a ton of guys are signing up to go to Columbus. This guy wants to be there. The team wants him. They've got yeah. him at a good contract. So there's no urgency to move him. Yeah. He is way more valuable to the Blue Jackets than he would be to any other team. And he would be very valuable to mm-hmm. any other team. That's what I was just about to say. I feel like Boone Jenner, on the outside, he's a 40-point middle six center. And yeah, he plays with his heart on his sleeves. He's He can play physical. He's good in the face-off dot, all those things. But he's way more valuable to the Columbus Blue Jackets than I think he would be in the trade market. And like mm-hmm. you said, it would take a lot to pry him away from Columbus. But how many teams are really willing to give that up? How many teams really see what he truly is? Mm-hmm. Um, we just recorded the Fantasy 4 Check podcast, and I just said the exact same thing about Bone Byram. And it's just like, 
some guys are just way more valuable to their yeah. team than than they really could be in a trade. And that's kind of how I see Boone Jenner, because I think that he is underrated everywhere else in the league and maybe even a little bit overrated in Columbus. Mm. But that makes a, a, a terrible mix up for a trade because <laughs> it, like you're just it's going to be impossible to find fair value for both sides. That, yeah, that's how yeah. I see Boone Jenner. I could correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of how I see it. No, you're pretty well on the ball. And the last thing I'll say on Jenner is he's the Blue Jackets leader in games played. And that's a young franchise who does not have a lot of, you know, uh, cornerstone players. Mm-hmm. And he's becoming one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't see him moving. I It's it's something when it came out, I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, you know, surprising things have happened around the deadline. So you never know. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. All right, moving on to uh, maybe a smaller piece, but could potentially be good on on a playoff team as a depth score as uh, Dominic Kubalik. I was good in Chicago. I was good, pretty good in Detroit. I actually, was really good in Detroit last season. Got traded in the Debrinkat trade. Uh, Jacob, this is probably a guarantee he's getting moved, but yeah. he hasn't been that good in Ottawa. I don't know what value he has on the trade market. What do you see with Kubalik? So um, about two months ago now, it was written by Bruce Garriock with Post Media that it's pretty much, he said, Dominic Kubelik will be moved at the trade deadline. So, and Bruce Garriock knows his way inside the Ottawa Senators very, very well. Um, if anybody's going to report anything on the team, it's going to be him. And I trust his word more than almost anybody else's. Um, but that being said, I don't, think it's for an asset it's just more of a cap dump i think like Mm -hmm. he doesn't provide any value to the senators he's the 12th or 13th forward right now um yes he has nine goals so far this year but that's it he has i believe he has nine goals and two assists he's i don't i haven't checked in a little while but at one point he was minus 17 while the next closest on the team was like i think it was drake batherson who's like minus six nobody else was even close to his bad as he was in the plus minus which he, plus minus he's is minus, great... 21. minus 21 <laughs> minus 21 now. yeah yeah so plus minus is uh I, I don't like the stat unless something is varying one way or the other and it's varying very far one way right now so <laughs> he's probably in contention for the nhl's green jacket right now um i just he holds no value he makes two and a half million dollars if anybody's gonna take him great i think like bottle can get a sixth round pick that's that's fine. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really have any. I, I I do agree. I think it's going to be a cap dump. They're not getting a prospect for him. They're no. It's going to be a pick or or what do they call the future considerations? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The journeyman himself could be. It could be. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to a bigger name uh, on the Blue Jackets again. They're starting goaltender Elvis Merzlikens. He's requested a trade. Uh, it's been a pretty big thing. Uh, hasn't been moved yet. What do you see with Merzlikens? I mean, the thing is, the Blue Jackets do have some goaltenders in the mix uh, to take over for him. I, where do you see Merzlikens going? Because you don't really want a guy on a roster where he doesn't want to be there. So I'm going to make a bit of a correction here. So, yeah, th- this was one of the, the times that we've fallen victim to, I don't know, the ever-changing news cycle. 
uh, <laughs> when Merzlikens and the team were real rocky there for a bit, it was highly publicized. Everybody was talking, oh, Merzlikens wants a trade. And he said these things in, uh, you know, his second language, which is English. And yeah, it, the long and the short of it is that they're we're, they're kind of past it. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it was his agent. He came out and said something like, "Well, no, it's yeah, not. We're we're kind of moving past it now that Spencer Martin's waived. Uh, they're not doing the triumvirate of goalies anymore. The Blue Jackets are ready to, to kind of settle back in. Merzlikens is kind of like, okay, all right, I'm the starting guy. We're we're cool again a little bit." Um, we talked about this on our, our Union Junction podcast, which you can check out most uh, most weeks dropping on Mondays. Uh, we had talked about how, you know, if Elvis has moved now, it's because there's more stuff going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of either. You know, because I don't know if you know much about Merzlikens, but he's kind of got a fiery personality. And when he was kind of on the ropes there for a bit, it reminded me a bit of the PK Subban in Montreal situation where his personality could just be a little bit too much for the Blue Jackets locker room. So unless there's some some stuff going on behind the scenes like that, the the Blue Jackets net will be guarded by Merzlikens for the foreseeable future. Mm. Plus, who's going to buy on that contract? True. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's been some... Okay. Yeah, that it's been an interesting situation with with Merzlikens and Columbus, but I mean, obviously he he's a very talented goaltender. I'm sure the Blue Jackets would love to, to keep him. Uh, if the team would get better in front of him, he's great. Uh, and and that's the thing. If the Blue Jackets can be a better team, I think he's a great goaltender for them. So we'll we'll see. I, I, like you said, it's probably it's not as urgent as a thing as it seemed to be for a little bit there where it looked yeah. like he wanted out. So we'll, here's we'll the thing that. with Merz Lakins. When that guy is hot, he is hot. Like yeah. uh, we mentioned, he's playing behind the worst defense in the national hockey. Like you put him behind a good defense, whole baby, this guy <laughs> would be bonkers, but uh, yeah. he seems to be okay. in Columbus, as of right now, the fan base is kind of turning back in his favor. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Elvis is still in the building as of yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so some quick fire here. I, Jacob, any other trade bait you kind of want to mention on the Senators apart from our big names that we've kind of mentioned already? I don't think so. I could see um, Eric Brandstrom being moved, like we talked about. Just one of the left-handed defensemen. I think Eric Brandstrom is the easiest to move for sure. Um other than that, I don't see any. I don't really see anybody being moved. I could see a couple mm -hmm. prospects being moved that are kind of aging up a little bit, like Igor Sokolov or Lassie Thompson. That there's not much of a future left in Ottawa with. But mm -hmm. if they can be part of any deal, even if it's just for um, a mid pick or something, I could see them being moved. But in terms of the roster, there's not too many people that I see on their way out of town. Mm -hmm. Nicholas, what about you? Uh, any other Blue Jackets you kind of see on the block? I know Patrick Lani was there, but that's kind of gone away now that he's entered the the player yeah, system. Now that right? he's in the program, it it would be tough to move him, and I don't think I don't know if the Blue Jackets would want to move him because this season's mm -hmm. just been a tough year for him. He's had yeah. a few tough years, like 
he just hasn't had a chance to get his feet under him in Columbus. And yeah. the times when he do- is there, like the last two seasons, it's been a point per game guy. But this year they tried him at center, and that was just a that was a not not a great move for him. Um, other names: Jack Roslovic. He's on an expiring deal. He would be pretty much a giveaway as well. That he reminds me a lot of the Max Domi situation for the Blue Jackets mm-hmm. a few seasons ago. Uh, once highly touted guy kind of losing his way with the Blue Jackets, kind of a higher cap hit. So we could see a similar return for him, just a, a mid-level prospect at the last second at the deadline. Not much else on the docket other than you mentioned Provorov, who could sneakily be the Blue Jackets' highest valued uh, mm-hmm. pick. I mean, the Blue Jackets and Provorov, I wrote a piece on this not too long ago. They acquired Provorov with Mike Babcock in mind. Mm-hmm. Because when the hiring of Mike Babcock was coming, they're like, okay, we're going to push. We're going to try and be a contending team. We're going to try and make the playoffs. Then, you know, how that ended. And the Blue Jackets seem to be more focused on developing their young players and working on three or four years down the road. Provorov's not going to be here in three or four years. He's got one more year on his deal. 4.7 million. They can cut that in half again. For the next two playoff runs, you have Ivan Provorov as a contending team in your top four for two or three mil. <laughs> Come on. <Yep>. Come on. <laughs> so yep. if if a guy is going to get the Blue Jackets a first rounder, it'll be Provorov. Yeah, 100%. I think uh, he's a guy. He is probably the most valuable for sure. All right. Two quick questions um, for each of you. I'll start with you, Nick. I What's the best case scenario for the Blue Jackets? Who would you say, like after the deadline, say this was a good deadline for the Blue Jackets? They, the Blue Jackets, get rid of one roster forward and best case scenario. Is that your question? Yeah. Two roster defensemen. (laughs) I'm looking at, yeah, I'm looking at one of Peak or Boquist. Maybe Jake Bean, that would be a fun guy to move on from for the Blue Jackets. Um, and then up front, Roslovic would be excellent to remove from this roster. They are just so log jammed. <laughs> nothing against mm-hmm. the players in general, nothing against yeah. their time in Columbus, but those would be some great assets to move out of this organization. Yeah, definitely clear that log jam. All right, Jacob, what, what about you? What's the best case scenario for the Senators after the deadline? I mean, best case scenario is to trade Hamannick for McDavid and Dreisaitl, but like, <laughs> if we're being realistic here, realistic <laughs> best, best answer. <laughs> um, to buy and not sell, bottom five team, you just got to develop the winning culture, like I already talked about. Yeah, yeah like Ottawa's mentioned to be in on Chris Tanev. If he's gonna, and there seems to be some mutual interest, there some talk about something might happen in the summer. But if Ottawa can get Chris Tanev or another strong right-handed defenseman, um, and maybe a, they don't even need a third liner anymore with Pinto back. They have a really good top nine. They have a really good top six defenseman. If you could improve on Hamannick, who is at the bottom of the depth chart um, on the right-hand side there. So, yeah, make a big upgrade on Hamannick. I think that's the biggest, the, the best-case scenario for Ottawa. <laughs> It's a good one. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. These two teams are going to be in the news, I think, a lot around the deadline for sure. All right. Well, thanks, Jacob. Thanks, Nicholas, for coming on the show, talking trade deadline, talking Blue Jackets and Senators. 
I say it's going to be interesting to follow. So make sure to check out all our articles at hockeyguards.com. We got great coverage for that deadline. But until our next preview show, we'll see you next time.